Hey, and welcome to the Green and Gold Then and Now podcast from the 105.7 FM, the Fan Studios in Hills Quarters, Wisconsin, a.k.a. Milwaukee. I'm Steve Zotke, along with Jeff Orlowski. And we do this episode after a delightful Packer win in Dallas over the Dallas Cowboys. 34 to 24, and it wasn't even that close, as they say. Yeah, no, the final score doesn't show what an ass whooping that uh, that, that game was. And uh, it was nice to see, you know, if uh, we would have told you before the uh, kickoff that Rodgers was not going to throw for a touchdown, he wouldn't have any interceptions, but he wouldn't throw for a touchdown. You definitely wouldn't have uh, chose that, or, you know, predicted that the Packers would A, score in the 30s, and B, walk out of Dallas with a victory, but that's exactly what they did. Thank you, Aaron Jones. Well, he was the talk before the season. Everybody was kind of, you know, and, and and there's popular, there's always these popular players before the season. Everybody's trying to be the, you know, the big procrastin Prognosticator? Prognosticator. There you go. The, the lips and tongue and brain was not cooperating. Hey. Um, and he was a hot, you know, he was one of the hot people. You know, yeah, the, Everybody course. was talking about whether you, Fox Sports, ESPN, Pro Football Talk. Aaron Jones is the guy. Because he was showing flashes. And you're looking for those guys on the come and that. And he's one of these guys. And he pretty much showed what those glimpses that we saw. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He, uh. He definitely lived up to the hype. He uh, he carried the load. He carried it fantastic. And, um, you know, it shows that if you give him enough opportunities, and, you know, he showed it in the passing game against the Cowboys as well. It wasn't just him running the ball. Uh, the offensive line played, surprisingly, a lot better than I mm-hmm. thought that they were going to play. Uh, granted, it wasn't against a defensive front, you know, like the Bears or – uh, Denver, you know, one of the, the teams that have, like, elite defensive lines. However, that Dallas defense is nothing to shake a stick at. And uh, the offensive line played played awesome, and uh, it was good to see. But, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, he's got to get the opportunities. And if you give him enough chances, he's going to hit uh, many, many doubles, at, you know, 15, 18-yard gains, Stuff like that. First down, you know, they, the Packers were pretty awful in third down conversions in that game. I want to say they were like three for 10. Uh, don't quote me on that number, but uh, it was real close to, you know, 20 percentage wise in the 20s or 30%. And um, that just shows how, how good they were on first and second down. Right, you know, uh, they they were always in second and manageable. It seemed like throughout most of the game, and uh, what a world of difference that makes. You know, when you're going up there and it's second and two, second and three, as opposed to second and nine or second and fifteen, it makes one hell of a difference. And, and especially when you have a quarterback like Rodgers, because in those situations you may want to walk up that safety. You might want to throw a scheme, but he is so good at reading defenses. And if you if you show your hand, 
and if you show single coverage on the outside, he's going to take that chance, especially on second down. But getting back to Aaron Jones, too, I think he had 218 total yards on uh, Sunday, 19 attempts for uh, 107 yards, uh, also uh, eight targets and seven receptions. So he was in the mix all day. And the, the, the most fun thing I had watching was watching him in space when he would get into the secondary and not just one cut and just straight line, but watching him cut, watching him work his way around players and that. And just, I mean, it was, I was just, that was the most fun I had had. I had watching a quarter or a running back in a long time. Uh, in fact, uh, it's the most touchdown since I think it was um, Ryan Grant in uh, 2002. And then uh, Dorsey Levins, I think, in 2004. Yeah. That was the last time he had four. So it's been a while since we've, we've seen such domination by this. On the other side of the coin, it was a scheme that worked just like against the Bears, I think, where you want, and we mentioned it on, like, on the last podcast, you want Dak to throw the ball. Right. Ezekiel Elliott, 12 rushes. I know. And uh, Jason Garrett better have gotten lit up all week long down in Dallas because well, you, if you've got a running back like that, you cannot just give him the ball 12 or 13 times. Hey, listen to this. twelve. Okay, 12 rushes? Two of those were total bullshit ones at the end of the half. Right. Those two at the end of the half, when they're inside the 20, yeah. why are you even exposing – him your hit. Your 100, 200, whatever million dollar running back to those hits. Yeah. That was ridiculous. You put Pollard in there or someone. I know. I, I, it makes no sense. That's the Cowboys, though. So, if really, all he really had was 10 rushes. Yeah. I mean, 10 rushes that mattered. And then uh, he was in uh, four targets, two catches, 29 yards. You know, I, I don't know if Dallas just didn't watch any of the tape uh, that consistently showed the Packers getting just eaten alive and on that defense by the running game because 10 legitimate carries for Zeke. That's not a recipe for success against this Packers defense. The Packers secondary has played surprisingly well. Now, Kevin King, you know, granted to her a couple times, you know, it was kind of surprising a, that he suited up and played in this game. And I give him uh, I give him a lot of credit for doing that. It showed that you know the kid's grown uh, grown some fuzz on the Kiwis, and uh, and he's willing to go out there dinged up. And when he was out there, he played phenomenal. He was great. And if you look at the stats during Dallas's comeback, all those big plays and the touchdowns that they hit, Kevin King was not on the field, and neither was Darnell Savage. Yeah, so. You know, this Packers secondary, they played really well. And, yes, you know, Dallas kind of got back into that game once the game was pretty much over and done with. But uh, And it got a little close at, at the end there and made everybody a little bit nervous. But, uh, you know, what a hell of a, hell of a game plan by, uh, by Matt LaFleur and, uh, and his whole staff. And kudos, man. If you, you know... If we could have told you at the beginning of the season the Packers would be sitting four and one after five games, there's not a single Packer fan that would have sat there and and not taken that because with the schedule that we've played so far, that's phenomenal. Well, here's the other thing that's kind of impressive 
Okay, and going back to the defensive side of the ball, you had the Smith brothers had all the sacks, had all three sacks, and they had six of the eight uh, quarterback pressures. So they're certainly dominating, and it's a scheme. The basic scheme that they've been running most of the time now, this ain't every time, but they're, they're just rushing the four. Right. They're not showing a lot of blitzes because that secondary is so strong, and the pass uh, – uh, the pressure against the quarterback has been so good. We haven't even really seen any schemes that we might need later in the year as the competition gets better and whatnot, or even if, let's hope, they get into the playoffs where he can start cooking up some different stuff. So I think it, I don't want to call it vanilla, but it certainly has not been a, uh, you know, a real exotics uh, defense that we're seeing. We're seeing just a talent, some guys, uh, talented guys throwing them so, uh, themselves around and 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 playing correctly and tackling on defense. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you know during these first five weeks, I think that Mike Pettin has been able to save a lot of his looks. You know, if you want to call them the unscripted looks mm-hmm. um, that teams will be seeing for the first time ever. And I'm sure that he's going to whip them out again during some of these division games. When you're, when you're playing the Bears for the second time, when you're playing the Vikings for the yes. second time, or, you know, even the Lions, you know, we've lost four in a row now to uh, Detroit. Go figure. So, uh, you know, it's definitely not a, an easy walk, walk away, roll out the helmets kind of game. So the fact that he's able to build – his uh, playbook with these un, unscouted looks that he's got in his repertoire and that the Packers have practiced but haven't had uh, you know haven't had to use during game day so far that only helps out the defense down the road. It, this is kind of a, a perfect situation for Green Bay. Um, you know the only thing that could have made this four and one record any better, is if the Packers would have lost to Denver and beaten Philly. Because then you would have beat everybody, all the yeah. games in your conference. Uh, so you would be undefeated in your conference. But, but on the flip side of that, look at the Cowboys. Well, uh, they've yeah. lost to the Packers and the Eagles now. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, Dallas, they, they looked really good against Cupcakes. Yeah. And then once the competition got, got stronger, they don't look so hot now. Because it's it's going to be very tight in the NFC this year uh, for playoffs, and and there could be a, a ten and six or two team that could make uh, could not you know make the cut for the playoffs because of not only divisional but conference record. I agree. And uh, the, the, these conference games are going to be very 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 important. Uh, we're, so we're five games in, and I think most people were afraid that they were going to go two and three. Uh, judging who the Packers played, and we're hoping, well, two and three, but hoping we can get to three and two. So four and one, not bad. Not bad at and all. Now, and and the way everybody's been kind of looking at this season, it's been kind of broken into three parts. The first five games, now the second five games before the bye, and then the real season, as they call it, that starts in November after that bye then, those final um, games. These next three, 
you know, the Packers are in a tough spot here because we we take on Detroit Monday night football. Detroit last week was on the bye. Then we take on the Raiders. The Raiders will be coming off a bye. Then we take on the Chiefs. The Chiefs will be coming off a bye. And Andy Reid is phenomenal. After a bye week. In those games. So we got three straight weeks where the team that's getting ready to face our beloved Packers will have two full weeks to get ready for the game, to rest up and get their injured guys healthy, uh, and to sit there and scheme and game plan for what the Packers want to do. I don't know why in the hell the schedule makers, you know, this it does it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't, but there's there's a lot of factors now involved, including television. And and the the one of the big ones is that every team has to be on national TV now. So I mean you have to they have to sometimes they may have to make it make a change for a Thursday game or that Monday night game to put, you know, like isn't isn't it funny how it's always that one Thursday night game is always Jacksonville and the Titans because the league knows, well, we can kind of kill two birds with one stone. Let's get these two shit offenses and 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 teams that has a pretty weak uh, fan base for, you know, basically, let's, let's face it, in the bottom third of the of the league, you know, and get these, we can kill two birds with one stone with that. Even though with Gardner Minshew, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of take a league-wide look a little bit later. It's been, pretty, it's been a pretty cool story. Yeah, it is a cool story. You know, the, but the thing is, especially with the Thursday night or the Monday night games, it doesn't matter what time these games are at. The NFL knows you're going to watch. And somewhat. Well, and they know, but they know. And like a perfect example coming up Thursday, Giants and Patriots. And there's a lot of people, especially, and let's say in Wisconsin, are going, I don't really care about that. Those are two huge television audiences, and they're going to get very, very good ratings. Now, a, a large segment of the Midwest, West Coast could care less, but there's going to be a significant amount of that juicy Northeast audience that has a really dense population. And let's face it, they they kind of run the country. Uh, they're going to be tuned, tuned in. So, Well, I would imagine that the numbers in the – Midwest and, and the Plains and on on the West Coast are yeah. going to be huge as well. Well, and, and plus you have the Daniel Jones thing. Let's face it, there's you'd rather go. Hmm, I want to check this kid out as opposed to Eli. If it was Eli Manning, I mean, I I would be like, okay, I'll have it on the second TV. I'll be watching baseball or something else, but or yeah. country music on PBS. But now with Daniel Jones. There's, you know, there's some interest there, and and uh, we'll also talk about that. Is some of these quarterbacks? Hey, we got some new quarterbacks in this league that we weren't really even looking at uh, before the season started. Yeah, that's true, and there is Daniel Jones' interest, but you know, the main interest in towns for you know this Thursday uh, or you know game, the Giants and the Patriots, isn't going to be Daniel Jones. It's not going to be Tom Brady. It's going to be the over-under, and it's going to be the point spread. Yeah. And it's going to be fantasy football and the daily fantasy sports. Mm -hmm. You know, 90% of the interest outside of those two fan bases are going to be watching due to gambling of one sort or another. 
And if anybody says that fantasy football is not gambling, you're stupid. Of course it's gambling. If there's any money, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's a prize that's attached to it, it's gambling. So that's, you know, it is what it is. That's the only reason I'm going to watch. But, I, you know, I'm, I don't mind. I've got my kids, uh, uh, both my boys are in fall baseball. Every game is on a Sunday, okay? I have a friend that has that issue. Their season was supposed to end two weeks ago, but because of all the rain that we got on the weekends and stuff, I think they still have two more weeks to go. What, no doubleheaders? No. It's baseball. I know. And, you know, and uh, one's what? Uh, how old am I? How many kids? innings are the games? Well, they're supposed to be like five or right. six. And, then, oh, and there's probably a skunk row, right? Well, there's a time limit, you know, so uh, it's like five or six or like an hour and a half. Hour and a half? Well, I'll tell you what. Well, Steve Zotti as commissioner would have doubleheaders one hour each game. Yeah, you know, and, and I would too. But um, Especially when it's going to be in the 40s on Sunday. Oh, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna freeze my ass off out there. But the thing is, is like, I, I'm one of those. I don't care if I got money on a game. I don't have to watch it. But I've got, I've got an app on my phone where I could listen to whatever radio call I want. And so, you know, I'll be at my kids' games listening to the Bears game or the Viking. Game. I had to do that last week. Yeah. How's that a wedding? How's that a wedding? And uh, the groom's father is a huge Packer fan, and he was at my table and. During the during the dinner, guess what we were doing? <laughs> Drinking and listening to the Packer Watching game. Watching the Packer game. Yeah, nice. In fact, when our, my battery started to uh, run down, we grabbed his daughter's uh, nice Samsung and started watching the game on hers. You Hell know, it's yeah. Like, what, where's your battery at? 65? Okay, bring it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're commandeering your phone. And it was, yeah, it worked out good. I mean, I was really surprised and... Uh, and I did not have it on during the ceremony, but uh, right up until they were walking down the aisle, that game was on. Yeah, you Sam, know. no, 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 Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, which isn't too big of a loss, but I, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind Joe Buck. He, the only thing that annoys me about him, I don't believe the whole he hates the Packers no, and none of that crap. The only thing that annoys me about him is his ego. But I don't hate him nearly as much as I hate Bob Costas. Well, Bob is just, yeah. he Bob has, is a pompous ass. Yeah, he is. And he, he believes yeah. that he has been sent down to this planet <laughs> to save baseball. And if you don't agree with the Bob it, Costas way, you're a complete and it's moron. Funny, all the things that have made baseball so much popular, he's been against. Of course. He's, you know, he's a traditional. I mean. He makes my opinions on auto racing when I talk auto racing on Saturdays makes me seem like the uh, you know Franklin Roosevelt of racing. You know, I mean, uh, he he is so. I mean, he well, I think he'd rather go back to Cap Anson in eighteen nineties and dead ball era. I think uh, for baseball, but uh, getting back to the Packers, yeah, the, these next five games will be interesting to see. As you were saying, the Lions on Monday night, and the, like you said. Raiders and the Chiefs coming off of buys, and then we have the Chargers and uh, and the Panthers. I want to talk a little bit about the Chargers. And it, I heard this earlier uh, in the week. Is uh, Seahawks, Falcons, Chargers, and Jaguars 
all runs the same scheme. The Pete Carroll defense. Is the Pete Carroll defense dead? No. Uh, you know, Seattle's good this year. And it, it goes beyond just Russell Wilson. They lost, so they, you know. But defensively, I mean. The Legion at- of Boom is gone because they couldn't right. afford to keep all those phenomenal players that they had. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why the 49er defense is, is big now because Sherman's over there. You know, so these guys get spread out. But, um, no, San Diego just sucks. You know, the Chargers have had so much talent on that roster at different times, and have they ever won shit? And the answer is no. They choke every single year. And, you know, you could give them a complete, you know, you could have them cherry pick one player off of every team, and they still wouldn't win a Super Bowl. They wouldn't even get there. So it uh, that's easily, by far, and that's with the Packers traveling all the way down to Southern California, the easiest game out of the next five for Green Bay. Well, that's going to be a home game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, most of them are in that stadium. In well, fact, yeah. I mean, that that's the one game they could probably move to the Coliseum and and easily have 60,000 people there. Well, you know. I mean, that that's going to be actually a hard ticket for I, – I think Packer fans are going to be, if they haven't, might be for rude awakening trying to get Packer tickets for that Chargers game because it only sits thirty. Yeah, it's thirty-five thousand. It's a, basically a soccer stadium. It, it's a, it's a what they call it an intimate, intimate setting. Yeah, and they still don't sell it out. So no, but they will. They definitely will for the Packers. So that'll be that'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see because there has been a couple games like that. If you noticed, Arizona's like that. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I think was it Seattle? Was it what game? I was watching a near Cardinal game, and it was like the home, the other team's home field. And I think it was Seattle, or was it uh, the Forty Nine er? But I think it was the West Coast, so it wasn't that far for them. And it was, uh, and Packers a few times when they played out in Arizona, a lot of Packer fans as well as in the past at the Coliseum. They very, very traveled, traveled very well, and that, that's been known. Packer fans, Steeler fans, always travel well. Of course, you got the Cowboy fans, and that's yeah. And you know the Patriots. You know they Patriots played, uh, took over DC. Yes, and it was. I mean, well, they have nobody to blame but themselves with that course. ownership over there. But I mean, that's truly embarrassing. That when is. you have both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick up at a microphone in front of the nation. Saying this felt like a home game. Yeah. How is that not a giant kick in the nuts to every single Redskin fan out mm-hmm. there, especially ones that live in the DC metro area and just choose not to put their money where their mouth is behind that team? And how could you? Because that team is the front office is so damn awful. Yeah. You know, it's I, bad ownership. And, and, and you, you've seen that with. There's five teams that own that don't have very good ownership. Washington is one. Dolphins. The Dolphins. Uh, you look at San Diego or the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, with the Spanos family has just not been well at all. Uh, well, somewhat the Bidwells. The Bidwells are just you know, I mean, respected in that, but not not the greatest ownership. And then the other one I was thinking of, which escapes me right now, who was I thinking of? 
it was Jacksonville for it, but now Shot uh, Shot Khan, I think, is a good owner, and I think he's still kind of getting his feet somewhat. Uh, yeah, you know, with the NFL thing and everything, but we'll see. And then, uh, well, it actually, could be Denver. I mean, John John Elway. That that's going to be, uh, you know, who they've turned into. The that the organization, the Denver Broncos, have kind of turned themselves into what the Packers were in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, where you got this, uh, just with the thing with Bart Starr and everything, and should he or shouldn't he be? It was you know how what they did to Bart Starr, thrusting him into a head coaching and then also general manager, and not having the support group. In I mean. I was happy when Bart Starr got fired in 83, but I don't think the general public really knew how that organization and how poorly it was set up. And unfortunately for Bart, it was it was a, a operation that was set up to fail. And, you know, uh, Bill Michaels had Ron Wolf on, and all the things that he did to right this ship is phenomenal and basically that's what you need if you're if you're a team like the chargers the redskins that's what it's going to take it starts from the top down you can put in coaches and that they'll go only get you so far another uh example is the bucks you know new ownership and that and it starts from the top down and it filters all the way through and we've seen that with the packers we've seen that with the patriots you know say what you want about you know robert Kraft. Okay, he likes his, uh, you know, hmm, 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 but, uh, but he he runs a very good organization. You've seen that through the years. And the stability, even the problems that the Steelers are going through right now, overall, very stable organization. Yeah, and, you know, if, uh, you know, being a, uh, a fib, uh, the Blackhawks, one of the best things that ever happened to the Blackhawks was old man Wirtz dying. Because Who indirectly... Would not let Milwaukee get an NHL uh, franchise. Right. But, uh, you know, once he died, uh, the fortunes turned around and the Hawks were were dominant and they won, what, three Stanley Cups? So, um, you know, yeah, there, there's definitely teams that are, that are just run piss poor from the top down. And, uh, you know, Green Bay was one of them with uh, Ted and, and Mike McCarthy. So, uh, the last handful of years that they were here. So... You know, it goes in waves. There's teams that, that stay in there a lot longer than others, uh, Miami and, uh, you know, San Diego and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen again in, in Packerland. What did you think of the clapper, Jason Garrett? Is this – you think his headset's on? Yeah. I do. I, I, that's as close – to a puppet regime that we we have that we've seen in sports, mm-hmm. and you know people, it's it's a weird. I, my opinion of Jerry Jones has kind of evolved over. I hated for with good reason. I hated the nineteen nineties uh, Cowboys, right? Because especially when they would beat up on the Packers and in the the. the Three F and field or the seven F and field goals on that one game and and all the other stuff and how about them Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson and all. But I, over the years, I, my view of Jerry, I kind of understand uh, and seeing that the NFL films they did a story on him 
and you see where he's come from, and I kind of respect him for what he's been able to do and what he's been able to build. And I under, you know, when he came in there, he had to change the culture of the Cowboys and switch it to a more modern. And I kind of, I, I kind of like, even though at the time I was kind of like, "Ooh, boy, what are you doing?" But kind of kicking the NFL in the ass and saying, "Hey, you got to start this marketing." And if, if you don't do it, well, I'm going to go out and do it on my own. And it kind of woke up the NFL to say, well, I guess we are sitting on this huge uh, you know, pile of money and that kind of stuff. So that I think is kind of cool. And I kind of liked, you know, his, his – of how he – his opinions on, on other things and that. But – and I kind of like it. Hey, I bought the team. I want to run the team. Yeah. I bought the team to run the team. And – it's, is it the best thing? No. But he's doing a lot better than what uh, you know what Brown is doing in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Brown's son, and some others. And if you look at, at uh, you know, if, if you look at Jason Ger- Garrett's uh, record, it's not a bad record. It's like, you know, 60 and 40 or whatever it is. It, it, it's over, well over 500. And so... Do I think they're going to win a Super Bowl? No, but I mean, you're going to, you could, you know, okay, they did win a playoff game last year. Are they overvalued this year? It looks like it. And but you know, hey, he's doing what he wants to do. So be it. I'm happy with that. And he's let, let's face it, he he does some pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, quotes. And you know, I think any of us would. Wouldn't mind uh, getting into a limousine with uh, five or six pretty girls like he does on occasion. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Jerry Jones is, uh, you know, I don't like him because I don't like the Cowboys. But I respect the hell out of him. Yeah. You know, if I had the money to to own an NFL franchise, I would love to. and But I would want to run it too. And would the Cowboys be better off and have a hell of a lot better chance of winning a Super Bowl if he did not have his hand in on everything? Of course they would. And chances are they would have probably three or four, maybe five more rings if he wasn't involved in the football operations. However, he was the one that wrote that big-ass check to acquire the Cowboys. He's the one that turned them into the most valuable franchise in American sports, uh, he paid for at least half of Jerry's world. So, yeah. you yeah. know, he has put his money where his mouth is. He's the one taking the risk by writing all these checks. He's not putting uh, a huge burden on the taxpayers. Um, not like, you know, the Cowboys are ever going to leave Dallas, but you know what I mean. Right, yeah. Uh and if, like I said, and if I was him and I was in that same position and had that same bankroll, you know, absolutely I would be involved. So, you know, I, I, I respect the hell out of him. And I hope that before he steps away, I hope they sign Dak Prescott to a $40 million a year deal. And I hope it's like a 15-year, $40 million per deal. Because I don't think Dak is all that good. And... You know, so let him make a mistake, and by the time he steps away, hopefully the Cowboys are are way behind uh, behind the eight ball uh, because of errors that that Jerry Jones has made during his tenure. But you got to respect the man a hundred percent. 
Certainly do. Let's look uh, at this matchup Monday night with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. How, how big of a difference uh, does it make uh, playing at Lambeau instead of Detroit this coming week? Uh, well, if you take the last couple of years into consideration, not a whole hell of a lot. It uh, the Lions have whooped our ass no matter where we've played them. So, you know, I uh, I think it helps. I think, you know, just for the comfortability factor of the players, it helps. Uh, but as far as helping to win the game, not so much. You know, there's a, there should be a lot of pressure on this Packers team this week to show that they can get it done against these Cowboys. Matching up. It'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, Detroit much improved defense and how Aaron Jones uh, works uh, with, I think, once again, we won't have Devontae Adams. I don't want to see Devontae Adams for a few weeks here. I would rather have him take an extra few weeks off just to make sure he's good. If he sits out till the bye game, so be it, because uh, – uh, we need these guys. We need uh, uh, MVS to step up, step up and uh, Jake Kumro, who Mr. You know, preseason looked so good. We need him. He had a couple. I mean, let's face it. It was a clinic, though, on 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 Sunday with the how much the ball was spread around. And uh, you have uh, you, you have with uh, Mercedes Lewis and uh you know, every we need the tight ends. Everybody needs to step up, and and the, the fill those gaps. And but on the opposite side, with the Smith brothers and that, uh, the the key is going to be getting in the Stafford's face because when you get hands in his face, that's when he makes mistakes and he's prone to turnovers. So and then uh, once again, that run defense. If if you you can do the same thing against against. If you can do the same thing that you did in Dallas against Detroit, it could be an ugly game for the Lions. Yeah, it could be. This is going to be a tough test uh, for the secondary as well. Mm -hmm. And I talked earlier, you know, about how well the secondary played against the Cowboys. You know, uh, Galladay is off to just a phenomenal start. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson is one hell of a tight end uh, that is going to be a tough cover. The tight ends always mm -hmm. seem to kill the Packers. And, uh, you know, yes, he's just a rookie, but he is a uh, he's going to be a legitimate badass with speed. Uh, yeah. You know, within uh, within two years, he is going to be one hell of a tight end in this uh, in this league. And, um, you know, Matthew Stafford's playing pretty damn well. And so this is going to be a tough a tough matchup. I think this game is going to be tougher at home than the Cowboys game was. In Dallas, and that's not just because, you know, we saw that the Packers whipped the Cowboys' ass, but on paper, I think this is a harder game. So, uh, you know, this is no cupcake, no walk in a park, so I'm sure it's, it's going to help that it's home cooking, but, you know, until the Packers prove that they can beat this Lions team again, you know, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. Right now, the, the over-under is 47. I, I think that's right on. I think that's pretty close to what we do predictions here on the station. And what did I say? 20, uh, it was right around 47. I think that's going to be true. I think I said 20 to 16. Yeah, so you so would have the under. under. I went under because I think it's going to be like the old NFC Central. Yeah. Um, Black and blue minus Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, I you know, I I would go under as well. You think you'd be under? Yeah, I this think so. This is weird though. I mean, this is why over unders just can kill you though. Well, especially you know, the under, yeah, you know. I mean, it takes I you know, Stafford throws a pick six. Uh Jair Alexander falls down and there you know, there you go. We got you know, 80 yards the other way. I mean, who knows? Late garbage time touchdowns. Right, yeah. I mean, and, and we saw that on Sunday with Dallas when the second yep. half, that fourth quarter. I mean, you know, and there were some people that panic. Oh, you should not have given it up. Oh, they were playing, you know, they were, you want, you were, you were fine. You were, you were bleeding them slowly. That's what you were doing. That's what that defense says in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and it worked. You know, it, so yeah, it, it's going to be a. Tough and you match. were lucky too. A couple of those passes were just. Well, bottom I, line is how many pa- and the oh. two missed field goals. Oh, how many yards did Dak Prescott throw for in third down? I don't know. Zero. Nice. Yeah. So that's, that's a that's that's badass. a huge. So and those chunk plays that they were getting in the in the fourth quarter, that's what those were. And and but when when it counted in the first three quarters, they weren't doing anything on third down. So yeah, and that's once again because Ezekiel Elliott, who really only had ten rushes as opposed to twelve, as we mentioned earlier with those two BS rushes at the end of the half. So Lions, what do you think? Win, lose, draw. I think, I think another the, tie. <laughs> I uh, I think the Packers win, but I think it's extremely close. You know, so I don't want that. Those are the ones that, and then I'm up till one o'clock in the morning, and my mom worked up. Oh yeah, me too. Sleep. Me too. I uh, I think it's going to be twenty to thirteen, and uh, low scoring, and you know it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be, you know, this game is going to be in doubt until about four minutes in the fourth quarter. Uh, A because that's just my luck, and anytime it's these late night games. You know, it it's never a, an ass whooping in the first half where I could fall asleep and then watch the second half in the morning yeah. when I wake up. So, um, you know, but yeah, I I think twenty to thirteen is uh, is going to be the final. But it's nice at twenty sixteen. So okay, we'll see. You. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a close one. Well, I uh, I usually bring in a then and now, and I don't really have anything for this, but but I mean the Lions. Uh, Lions and Packers, I think it's the third longest running. Uh, I think so. Behind the Bears and Bears Cardinals and then Bears Lions. But I think it's the second most games played against each other in the league. And uh, it goes back. My first game I remember as a wee child was in 1972. I was watching the Packers, who had a very good uh, blip that year, a very good year. They actually won the division 1972 behind John Brockington and MacArthur Lane and the god-awful quarterbacking of one Scott Hunter. <laughs> and they were up 33 to nothing over the Lions. I'm watching the game. It's the first game I remember watching with my father. And I remember the Lions scoring right at the end of the game and my dad cussing. And I remember going to my father going, why, why are you mad? They're winning 33-6 to now. And my father said, I wanted the shutout. And I, what's the shutout? He goes, I wanted them not to score. And that's how I learned to know what a shutout was. 
Why did he want the shutout so bad? He wanted the shutout. He wanted to shut out the Lions 33 to nothing. But it was actually they won the Packers won that game 33 to 7. Cuz it was a cheap touchdown right at the end of the game. Who cares? Well, he wanted to shut out. I whatever. I'm not a greedy fan. I you know, uh if they if the Packers well, win 100 to 99, I could care. He wasn't less. a hard my my father was a was a football fan. He wasn't that much a hardcore fan, but he wanted to shut out. You know, and it was my, it was a young father. My father at the time was only thirty nine years old. Wow, and you were thirty at the time. I was. Uh, I was <laughs> yeah, you know it. Uh, I don't care if uh, it doesn't have to be pretty. Give me an ugly win. Give me a pretty win. Just give me a damn win. That's well, all that's I thing. care yeah. about. It, 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 you know. I've heard people go, well, I wish you, uh, they, uh, um, uh, they gave up a lot. You went to Dallas, you got to win. That's all that matters. Yeah, shut up and be happy. Yep. You know. There's a lot of, and, and, and Packer fans have been a little bit guilty of that because I've heard it from other fans, uh, you know, with via social media and that when the Packers were rolling, you know, five, six years ago, you know, it would be the complaints. It's like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fan bases out there that haven't had a lot of success, and they don't really care that if, you know. Uh, Packer you, fans and Packers Twitter is starting to resemble a whole lot like Bucks Twitter, which is a damn shame. I thought Packer fans were smarter than that. Um, I hope that, you know, and I've muted a lot of these guys, you know, these idiots that just sure. complain about absolutely everything because – as much as I try just to sit there and scroll past them, it does kind of get me worked up every now and then. And there's been hundreds of times I'll t- uh, type a response to one of these uh, one of these ass clowns, and then I th- I think better about it and I end up deleting it. But uh, but yeah, you know I uh, the the mute button is uh, is alive and well, and I have started using it for a good reason and. Uh, I just hope that we don't devolve to a point of being Bucks Twitter because that's an embarrassment. That's a good point. An absolute embarrassment. On that, thank you for listening to another episode of the Packers uh, Green and Gold Then and Now podcast. And we'll, we'll talk to you after the Detroit Lion game. Yeah, it was fun. This was a fun one. And uh, enjoy the game, Steve. Hopefully... Uh, you know, the Packers win and the under comes in, and uh, we're both uh, skipping with our parlay tickets in hand. <laughs> Very good. Thanks for listening.